Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and registered art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, We are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. Our mission on Am I a Bad Therapist is to normalize and humanize our existence as therapists. You can help us spread this message by subscribing and leaving us a review wherever you are right now, whether that's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know the drill. You can also help us by sharing Am I a Bad Therapist with your network, whether it's on social media, your stories, or just between colleagues. Every listener helps us make a difference in this field, and we'll always reshare if you tag us. If you're listening to the podcast, make sure to check out our pretty faces on our YouTube channel. And if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to head over to our podcast and leave a review. You can find all of our links in the notes below. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. Catherine, we today are going to be hearing a little bit about ruptures in the therapy room. Do you have any stories that really stand out to you involving a rupture in the therapeutic relationship? Oh, gosh. Yes, many. But I think I might have to save those stories for a full episode because I am, I don't want to call myself the queen of ruptures because that sounds really bad, but I do really like a good rupture. I think it uncovers a lot that I may have been missing or that the client may be ready to access. Um, I think it uncovers a lot in the therapeutic room, the therapy room and the therapeutic relationship. And I have some of the best work I've done with clients or the biggest breakthroughs have come from ruptures. So I'm a big fan of ruptures. I don't purposefully cause them. I know some clinicians do sometimes. Mm. I don't. I just accidentally cause them a lot. (laughs) And... You know, we roll with it. We use it, um, you know, make make the process content and vice versa. So I love ruptures. I cannot wait to hear Tatiana's story about hers because I know that it happened on her very first client of her practicum experience. So uh, I'm sure it's a good one. 
Oh, it absolutely is. And it's amazing. And we do like say we welcome all experience types here on the podcast. So even if you're a student, you're more than welcome to join us. If you have a story you want to share about what made you feel like you were a bad therapist. So we are hearing from a student today and well, she's almost done with her doctoral program. We're so excited for her. But again, even if you're a student, come on the pod. Yes, absolutely. I feel like that's where the juiciest stuff comes from because you are learning what you don't know. (laughs) And uh, for those of us who have been licensed and in the field for decades plus, um, sometimes we need reminders of those things that we didn't know and maybe we have forgotten. So please come on the podcast. We'd love to have you. And before we get into Tatiana's story, this is just a friendly reminder that this episode is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a substitute for therapy, ethical guidance, or clinical consultation. All right. Well, this is episode number 25 of Maya Bad Therapist. Let's get into it. Well, welcome to Am I a Bad Therapist, Tatiana. Thanks so much. So before we get into a situation that made you wonder if you were a bad therapist or not, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, So like you said, my name is Tatiana. I'm a doctoral student. I'm finishing up my dissertation so I can graduate. I just finished my doctoral internship uh, a couple months ago. Um, And I've mostly worked in community mental health settings. Um, Recently with my internship, I was in South Los Angeles. uh, So like the Compton Watts area where I worked with kids and adolescents from one to 18, either in their homes or at schools and just really loved the work that I was doing. So hoping to continue it when I graduate. That is incredible. We're so lucky to have you in the field, just about to join us in licensure. That's awesome. And I love that you reached out to us to be on the podcast, even as a student, because we absolutely begin our therapist journey well before licensure and you know, I, I think back to all of my formidable moments back in graduate school and practicums and internships and postdocs. And it is, I have so many um, great learning moments that made me wonder if I was about therapist. So why don't you, Tatiana, tell us about something that happened to you in your training that made you wonder if you were cut out for this? So this was the first, my first year in the program, um, when I was at my first practicum site, which was also a community mental health clinic, um, but it was associated with with my program, and um, I had been working with this client for several months at this point. So it's you know we're almost done with the first term, and we'd been having weekly sessions. So I was getting to know her pretty well. Um, she was my very first client in this program, and during one session, it was there was just a lull at the end of the session. I was like, oh, maybe we should call it a couple minutes early, let her out early. I can, you know, have a quick break before I have to jump into my next thing. And she decided she was going to use that opportunity to ask some questions. Um, So the first question she asked, she was like, do you like coffee? And I was just very confused. I was like, that felt like it was out of nowhere for what we had been talking about, like family stuff and, and everything going on with her. And I was like, yes. Um, because I usually had a coffee cup and my water with me when I would meet with her. And then she asked, do you like chocolate? And I was even more confused. I was like, where is this coming from? Um, and she was, I was like, yes. And I was still very confused. She could tell I was confused. And then there's a, a short pause. And she's like, do you have a boyfriend? And I was like, <laughs> 
I don't know how to answer this. Um, like my head, I'm like, like the wheels are turning. I'm going back to like what I had learned in my master's training for self-disclosure and like what we had practiced so many times. And, and my knee-jerk reaction was, I don't see how that's relevant for our work together. Um, which caught her very off guard. It caught me off guard that that came out of my mouth. It <laughs> felt very different to like my approach. And I was just I was so confused. Um, and like I said, c- caught both of us off guard. And we were just like, the session ended a couple of minutes later, but I just felt very weird. Um, and I brought it up in supervision because I had group supervision right after. And so we talked about it and I showed the video because it was a training clinic. So clients would consent to be recorded as part oh, wow. of you know our supervision. And if they didn't want to be recorded, they would be referred somewhere else. I um, love that your bad therapist moment was caught on video. <laughs> this like it makes my day. It was at that point, I was like, of course, this is going to be on video. The cameras were working that day. Um, and I was able to just pull it up and show everybody. And I was just like, here's where we are right now. I'm just, I'm feeling weird. And that feeling of weird kind of over, overtook like the, the anxiety that comes with showing recordings to your group. Mm. Um, they were very helpful. Like the supervisor was great. My peers were great. Um, and we just talked about it and they were like, yeah, that definitely seems just very weird, especially like the transition from whatever you had been talking about to this. And uh, we talked about it. And then I met with, um, so my program, we had peer consultants. So it was someone who was further ahead in the program who would meet with us once a week and kind of like supervision, but not supervision because they weren't in any way able to be supervisors. Um, And my peer consultant was wonderful. She was very compassionate and she was we watched the video. So like I said, I showed the video over and over again so many times. So it just, it's etched in my memory at this point. And we talked about it. Um, I talked about it with my supervisor and it was just, I got a lot of feedback for it, um, which was all helpful. It was just very uh, like, here's how you can approach it. Like if she comes back, because my biggest fear was that she wasn't going to come back. Was that, that rupture that I could feel happening as soon as I said that, she was just going to go away, um, leave the clinic, either go somewhere else or just be done with therapy. Um, and I didn't want that to happen because we had made some good progress. She was a really good client, um, had been in and out of therapy for years. And we talked about how I could address it next time. So I had plans for our next meeting to bring it up with her again. and. So when she came in the following week, I was like, okay, thank goodness she's here. But I was also very nervous because I was like, oh no, this feels like a confrontation. This is very like out of where I was at that point in my training. Uh, she also had plans to address it apparently. Um, <laughs> she came prepared. She she did. She was like, so last week was weird. I was like, it definitely was. And I was going to talk to you about it. Um, so we, we talked about it. Um, I mentioned that I noticed like that disconnect that happened as soon as I said that. It's like, I could feel it. I feel like you could probably feel it too. And I explained what my training before this program had entailed, how they wanted us to err on the side of caution with self-disclosure and then let us figure out our own boundaries from there. 
So I mentioned, you know, I'm coming into this. This is what my experience was before. This is how we talked about it and what we practiced. And so that was why my knee-jerk reaction was to just say, I don't see how that's relevant for our work together. She could understand. And she just mentioned, you know, I was just thinking about getting you a gift for the holidays because the holidays are coming up. And I wanted to see what you liked because I feel like I don't really know a lot about you. So we kind of acknowledged like the the weird feeling of working with somebody and not knowing a lot about them when they know so much about you and like your inner workings. Uh, So we talked a little bit about that and I ended up being able to work with her as a client for another four years. Whoa. Wow. My longest term client um, up until I left for internship. So yeah. Your longest term client throughout your entire practicing experiences was your first, also included your first rupture as a therapist. Yeah. How Mm -hmm. significant that is to show and speak about how ruptures can be therapeutic tools. Like I love working with (laughs) ruptures in the therapy room and I can't wait to dig into your brain about what was going through it when you you know, you you kind of shared immediately right after what went through your head. Like, why did I say that? But how did you feel going into that next session, um, knowing that before you knew she was going to address it? How did it feel you going in knowing I'm going to have to address this rupture, and it might it could go a couple different ways, and not all of them are are positive or lead to continued care together. What was that like for you? I think when I was leading up to that appointment, I was kind of dreading it. Because mm-hmm. like I said, it was very out of my comfort zone. Just as a person, I don't really, I didn't really like confrontation. I would just kind of let things slide, which is something I've definitely unlearned as a therapist as I've continued <laughs> to train. Um, but I remember lead- that morning, I, I was just hoping that she wouldn't show up. Like, oh, fingers crossed she doesn't show up. We don't have to address this and we can <laughs> just go on and forget it. Uh, but she did show up. And as soon as I heard that that she was there, she was in the waiting room, I just, I felt like that sense of nervousness and like, okay, well now, now we're going to have to address it. Like, I don't feel it would be appropriate as a therapist for me to just ignore it and pretend like it never happened. Because that feels like it would just further rupture our relationship. Mm-hmm. And there would be no coming back from that. Um, so even just the walk to get her from the waiting room and then the walk back to the therapy room with her. I was just very nervous. My, my peers could tell that I was nervous too. We were all in the clinic that morning and they just wished me luck. And, you know, they're like, you can do this. It's going to be fine. And, and then I was able to talk about it right after again, because I had group supervision. Oh, so that's was, convenient. <laughs> it was a very convenient timing. Um, but, you know, just, I was just so nervous. And I feel like, too, it sounds like you might have had some conflicting emotions because you had said Mm -hmm. when you shared the story, you know, you were so like had that fear that she wouldn't come back. And then but when the moment comes, it's like, oh, wait, just kidding. Like, I kind of hope she doesn't show up. Yeah, it was it was a little bit of both, like not wanting to ruin her opinion of therapy, like being the one therapist who, Mm. you know, having a client who's been in and out of therapy for years and then to be the one to ruin that relationship for, for them, but also not wanting to address it. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I, 
I can't help but wonder what was going through your head. What did you expect her? How did you expect her to react? You knew she was in, she was in the waiting room. You knew you were going to address it. What were where what fearful place did your head go to? What fearful outcome did your head go to? It was very like how is she going to respond when you say this? Is she going to think that you're making up excuses? Is this just going to be like something that she brushes off and it ruins your relationship further down the road because she feels like she can't trust you to respond in an honest way. Um, like if she feels like, like I said, making up excuses and, you know, just trying to blame the awkward situation on like my previous training. Mm. I can see all those. And how did, you know, this was your first, you said the first therapy client ever, right? Uh, first in the, in the program. In the program. First therapy client in the program. How did going through this with the first client in, the, in your program, how did that impact your, I guess, self-image of yourself as a therapist or a future therapist or therapist in training? Did that call into question any of that? At first it did. Um, I think in general, the program sowed a lot of doubts, like during those especially hard moments where I was just like, can I really do this? Am I really cut out for this? And then you have those like light bulb moments of like, I'm exactly where I need to be right now. Mm. And at first it was just, I remember thinking, what am I doing? Like, why, why did I respond that way? It feels like it was very hurtful to her. Like after I reflected on it a little bit and that's what I, what, that's not what I was coming in to do. I didn't want to be causing harm to clients. And it felt like I had done that with Mm. this response that, at the time felt like it was like a one size fits all. It's just your generic response, but it wasn't. Um, and so I, after talking about that, reflecting on it, you know, talking through to, through the situation with my therapist, with my peer or not my therapist, my supervisor, my peers, um, and just realizing like, okay, this happens sometimes and ruptures can be fixed, right? Like everything can be fixed. And then afterwards, I started to kind of welcome the ruptures, like seeing how that relationship had continued to blossom and thrive. Like I found myself even during my internship, welcoming some of those ruptures with clients and not letting it phase me in the same way that it would have phased me a few years ago. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like it can be such a great opportunity to like model healthy communication with clients, setting boundaries, all of those things. Let's pause here for a quick ad break. Are you looking to incorporate more creativity into your clinical practice, but don't know where to start? As a registered art therapist, I truly believe that every clinician can utilize creativity in what they do. I absolutely love offering consultation and supervision to share with clinicians how to ethically incorporate therapeutic art making into their clinical practice. I focus on easy and simple interventions with very little prep work for you and your clients. Visit www.cccs.care to learn more. By the way, the number one support for those of us asking ourselves, am I a bad therapist? Our clinical consultation groups. If you don't have one yet, join us on the Teletherapist Network for unlimited peer consultation groups, including a lot of different specialty groups like clinicians of color, LGBTQ+, couples counseling, EMDR. And of course, Creativity in the Clinical Room hosted by me, Allie. Plus masterclasses, media leads, and everything else you need for an ethical, modern clinical practice. Join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. 
And now back to the show. Um, so I'm curious, what, like reflecting back on it, what do you wish you had said or what have you learned now to say? Like if a client asks you now a little bit about yourself, how do you typically respond and how do you wish you responded in that moment? I think since I've been working with kids more in the last few years, my response would have been a little bit different um, than working with adults. Because with kids, there's more self-disclosure mm-hmm. um, within reason. But I think looking back at how I responded then and how I would respond now, I think that knee-jerk reaction wouldn't have been there. Because um, at that point, I had already been working with her for a few years or a few months, sorry. And we had built up this relationship. So I, you know, knowing what I know now, I don't, I think I would have responded and like, oh, you know, yeah, I, I do have a, a serious boyfriend and, you know, bringing it back to her. Like, mm-hmm. it seems like it's really important for you to know information about me since you've been sharing so much with me over the last few months. And using that as more of like a reflection piece to move our conversations and our dialogues forward. Sounds like this was a great learning opportunity because what you said you wish you had done is exactly what you, the guidance you got from your supervision group, right? And your supervisor, it was go back and reflect. And you had that conversation of the the dynamic of disclosing so much, having sitting across from someone and having that person know so much about you, but not having, not knowing much about them. And that is a common, very common dynamic in the therapy room. And I also want to say, Tatiana, I don't think what you said was wrong at all. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think I might have used that a few times with certain clients. Um, I don't think that, I think that line could have been good. I think it's a, a dynamic of both how you showed up and how the client received it. So I think the I think the obviously there was a rupture based on both of you in the room, but it doesn't always I, I don't think it would always go that way necessarily given a different client or given a different setup. What are your thoughts on on that line now? The I don't see how that's relevant to our therapeutic work. I think it, it could be helpful for certain clients. Uh I don't think it was like the one size fits all that my program had trained us to think it was. Um, Like I said, like working with kids, it, my response is a lot different when working with them. If if they ask me like, Oh, do you have a boyfriend or are you married? Or, you know, do you have kids? Like those kinds of questions that they ask because they're curious about you and that helps to build the relationship and, you know, I can, I feel more comfortable answering some of those questions with kids um, or their parents in or, or their caregivers in order to have them take me seriously because I am a little bit younger and sometimes younger than the parents and they don't always take that young face seriously. I can relate to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I have another question. So we have talked about the rupture that happened, talked about the conversation after the supervision you received. But another point I couldn't help but notice was she said that she wanted to get you a gift, which is a complicated thing to talk about in a therapeutic relationship. So now I'm curious, how did you handle that piece of it? Luckily, we had like a few more weeks before the holidays, you know, were coming up. So she was really thinking ahead. Um, So when she sprinkled that little tidbit, I was like, oh, great, here we go. Uh, So I brought it up again in, in my supervision groups and everything and definitely talked to my my individual supervisor who was the clinic director 
and just to see what the policy was on gifts because that felt really important for me to know at that time and she was like you know if depends on what she gets you like if it's something that's big and extravagant then you can address it further if it's just something small like a box of chocolates or something like that then you know it's up to you if you feel comfortable accepting it or if you want to accept it and then put it in the break room or whatever your call is so she was very flexible with that um and then when the holidays did come up it was uh she had given me like a small little box of like uh like one of those four packs of chocolates um which was very nice and like it felt more important for her to be able to give that to me than anything honestly just knowing what I knew about her at that time and you know what was going on for her in her life it felt like a bigger like the gesture was more important than the actual gift um so you know I did feel comfortable you know accepting it and I think that was the only gift that she got me in the years that we worked together at some point the pandemic happened and you know we were just meeting virtually but it you know like I said the relationship just kind of thrived from there I was gonna say could you imagine if you rejected those chocolates (laughs) (laughs) I think that would have just made it way worse yes absolutely at that point no matter what she brings you you have to accept not 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 true that was a joke um so so you continued to work with her for four years I did what an incredible training experience. And it sounds like you had some really great supervisory groups and some great peers and supervisors to rely on during this. Yeah, I I think I really lucked out with the placement that I had with my mm. supervisor and just the, the group that I was placed with in general. You know, we were able to form like a really strong bond that first year in order to feel vul- like feel comfortable being vulnerable with each other um, as we're all kind of going through it. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's not a given at any in, in any cohort in any program. So the fact that you guys were able to do that, allowed you to have that space, that supportive space where like, I love what you said, the, the rupture, the feeling the discomfort of the rupture trumped the fear of having someone watch your video. Um, that you had that space that you were like, almost dove into head first saying, help me. I just had this happen. Um, and, and to have that not only in training, but also as established therapists is, is so beneficial, not only for our clinical work, but for ourselves, like for burnout, for self-confidence, for battling imposter syndrome, like getting that peer support. Oh, so good. Yeah. So what would you say, Tatiana, if someone listening is going through something similar, if they've had a rupture happen recently, or if they find themselves having that rupture in the therapeutic alliance uh, and relationship, what advice would you give them? I think acknowledging just that ruptures happen, like not every therapeutic relationship is going to be sunshine and roses all the time. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's still a relationship and those dynamics still come up. Um, whether it's, you know, transference or counter-transference, whatever it is, like it's going to come up in the room and acknowledging how you feel about it too, not just ignoring how you're feeling for the sake of the client, um, you know, within reason, like not letting your own judgments or feelings cloud everything. But I think going in and just thinking about like, okay, well, what was my initial response? What What is that response telling me? Like, am I in danger? 
or is this just something that was maybe a little bit uncomfortable that I wasn't expecting from them? Um, if you're in your own therapy, like that can be a, a really helpful place mm-hmm. to kind of dissect some of that. Um, supervisors, if you have them or, you know, consultation groups, just taking advantage of the the support that you have already in place in order to really just respond in a way that's not hurtful to the client Mm -hmm. and not hurtful to yourself. Equal importance. Absolutely. Well, Tatiana, thank you so much for sharing your story and joining us on Am I a Bad Therapist? If listeners want to connect with you, how can they do that? I do have an Instagram. It's psych.with.tatiana on Instagram. And that's probably one of the best ways to connect with me. I don't post a lot, but I'm still there. (laughs) Perfect. Well, we'll link that in the show notes, of course. And again, thank you for sharing. Our field is so lucky to have you coming into it. Like your responses, I would never know that you are still like that. You just are wrapping up a program. It's been so amazing to hear your insight um, and just how you navigated the situation. So thank you for sharing it. Thanks so much for having me. And that's it. The OG Bad Therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. And are you a bad therapist and want to join us on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song along with many others on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect. And don't forget, we're all bad therapists.